0: science exercise nutrition health energy passion
1: one year no beer this is the one year
0: no beer podcast where you will find all the latest tips tricks and hacks for a way to live better welcome to another truly epic edition of the One Year No Beer podcast. Uh, it's Ruri here. I haven't, I haven't been on the podcast for a while. Um, I, I've, been, I've been very, very busy. There's been a lot going on in the world. As, as today, as I start hitting record on this, it is um, Wednesday, the 18th of March, and um, it, it's kind of crazy in the world right now. It's kind of crazy, but we're going to talk all about that in a minute. Uh, today, I'm joined by a very, very special guest a true legend. Uh, This guy is a bit of a superstar in the One Year No Beer community. If you're a part of One Year No Beer, without a doubt, you will know who I'm talking about. And if you are not a part of One Year No Beer, what's wrong with you in the first place? No, but um, you will know him when you come and join us because this guy's an absolute legend. Um, I love it when we ask people to um, give us a bit of insight into them. And and, and this is just cracking. So I'm going to read this out exactly. Andy Liddle. Is 35 years old, a teacher, Londoner, former booze hound, ditto, uh, now alcohol free champ. Um, I suppose my story is probably one like many others of a life that I thought I was living well work, pleasure, socializing, existing was based around drinking. I had, however, bought into a lie. The last 500 plus days have completely changed my perspective and I didn't expect it at all. From fat, lethargic and low, to marathon, fit and happy. I didn't think the change would be as remarkable as it was. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andy Little. Thank you very much. That's very, very kind of you to say such lovely things. You, uh, it's, it, you are uh, you are a star. It's, it is such a pleasure. And we've had a few chats along the way and, and, and touch base and Um, all that good stuff and I can't wait to get into talking more about that but why don't you give us a little bit I mean I put a little bit of colour there tell us a bit more about your story Andy. So I suppose I always talk by thinking
1: it was you know like many I think I had um, I was introduced to alcohol pretty young I reckon 14, 15 I was you know I was enabled I suppose to a certain extent by my by my peers and my parents and my family we were completely like soaked in alcohol um the, you know from the time that I was you know 14 15 again I was at the I was allowed to go to the park and have a few beers and by the time I was 18 I was well versed in drinking roll on university and it's oh, it's incredibly incredibly drunken and, and then that continued very much into my professional life and um, it uh, there's lots of it that i I look back on very fondly, you know I had some great times, some great holidays, but I think the the longer it got on and more into sort of my youngish thirties, I started to think that perhaps it wasn't always where I wanted it to be. I think the anxiety that came with like the the hangovers was not so great, and it tended to get worse um and maybe the the highs that I kept seeking. I never kind of hit that. I kept doing the same thing sort of over and over again, and um, maybe the, always looking for those 10 out of 10 nights and regularly getting a 2 out of 10 night, but the hangover that came from a 10 out of 10 night. And that was when I sort of stumbled across one, you know, beer. It was around that sort of time. And well, for a while
0: I put it off, but I've given you yeah, a few things there, I suppose. Um, you, uh, before you go into the to the one year no beer journey, because de- I can't wait to hear about that. Um, you know, you were saying that you were drenched in alcohol fourteen, fifteen. Um, give me a bit more colour into that. So, did, did you? Would you have considered yourself a problem, or were you just like very sociable? Was it? Did it all feel normal?
1: Yeah, I think it certainly felt normal. I think from the t- I had an older brother, and I think you. Um, aspire to be a little bit like him and he was already in with kind of the cool kids who had a drink so from the time that I was 14 I wanted to be like him and by the time that he was 18 obviously I was 16 and he was drinking quite sort of hard Um, and that would have you know filtered down to me on some level but it was certainly part of normal life again growing up in you know the early early 90s like noughties I suppose it was um, it was de rigueur to have a drink like with your friends and it would have been. It would have seemed to have been odd, probably, if I hadn't have done. Despite the fact that I probably wasn't even legally allowed to. Um, yeah, that's
0: where crazy, isn't it? <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Crazy, isn't it? I mean, you know, that's that sounds very, very similar. Very similar story. But I guess that's probably a similar story to to most people in reality. Is that it? All just seems so completely normal, um, and that's just what we all do, um, and and that's how we all behave. That must be quite an interesting thing being a teacher. But we'll come on to that. Yeah, um, and um, yeah. So, uh, and, and there's this concept as well where you mentioned that you were constantly trying to get that ten out of ten nights, but really only hitting two out of ten. Yeah, you give me a bit more colour about that. So, what was happening in these evenings to make them never quite hit the spot?
1: I suppose that comes down to where my drinking was. I was never. You actually alluded to it earlier. You said it, was it a problem? It never. I never felt like I had a problem with my drinking. But what I think I did was that I. I had these nights out where, like, I wouldn't drink, say, every day of the week, but when I would drink, it was always until there was no one left to drink with, and, um, Often ended up drinking on my own and not doing the things that I wanted to do, like the next day or even that day necessarily. So I think what was starting to happen was that you get into that routine, you 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 see your friends and you and you do have these great nights and they're and they're epic and you talk about them, but you think that every time you drink, you're going to end up having one of those that it's everything is going to be funny, everything is going you've got to meet the cool people, you end up in the cool club, whatever it will be. But it's, despite the fact that I sort those nights out. I regularly didn't get them and and so often you end up you know searching for those nights when it's just well they were ne- they were never on but because you you delude yourself into thinking that's the case um I ended up quite often getting the hangover, as I said, for a 10 out of 10 night, not drunk as hard as it would be on one of those legendary sort of epic nights, but actually had the experience of really just going out and getting far too drunk in a like a local boozer, you know, um, not ideal for preparation on a, you know, on a school night, I suppose.
0: No, 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 no. Um, and, uh, but again, you know, absolutely normal or totally, definitely, totally normal, yeah. normalised um I think did you did you do university? Yeah, of course. So I mean, yeah. You say um, yeah, of course, but I mean, no, I didn't. Well, I'd, only in
1: the fact that you said to me I was a teacher it would have been. I would be a strange teacher, I suppose, and I'd just kind of fooled my way into uni otherwise. For, for, sorry, fooled
0: my way into the job otherwise. Yeah, I, I didn't did even I... know. I didn't even know you had to go to uni to be a teacher. Ah, oh, there you
1: go. So you've learned something <laughs> from this podcast already. Well, I think, that yeah, I mean, you normally have to have a degree in a subject, don't you, to be able to teach it. That's roughly where you are. So yeah, that, makes, to... that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that isn't the case for some of my teachers.
1: No, well, maybe most of my are growing <laughs> up as well. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I went to Manchester. Um, I, again, I grew, I grew up in Essex and it was... Um, well, I was, you, 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 I was attached to London. It I was somewhere that I kind of only went in on sort of special occasions, I suppose. So I always wanted to go to a big city, but I wanted to be far enough away from uh, from home, effectively, that I felt like I was being independent. That I wanted to have the city life. So I was always atta- attracted to a big city. And I mean, Manchester was glorious, but um, well, there's no but. I had a fantastic time. I don't regret much of it at all really I suppose I I, I, once you find yourself though as a pretty established drinker as I was by the time I turned up at 18 years old you you attract a similar crowd so I would have been in with the big drinkers from the time I was there and the different sports teams and the things that I did same areas we sort of it laid the foundations for um well the next sort of 10 or 15 years I suppose of drinking because that was how you
0: learn to socialize isn't it um this is this is a this is a subject that I love to chat about because mm-hmm. um, I think that's exactly it. I think there are uh, breeding grounds for alcohol um, alcohol disorders, and mm-hmm. um, uni is one of them, uh, or certainly you know going in because you sort of you sort of you get into this network and you're on the back foot. New people needing to be part of the tribe. It's a new tribe. There's a new way of existing, and it's like ah oh, well, there's a way for you to click in fairly easily but it's through the alcohol door um and you know almost everybody is doing it in that area sure you could choose to go down a different path but not many people go down there and Mm -hmm. all the people who are drinking make it very very public that those are the weirdos Um, and so you can you could go down the weirdo path or you could just go and join everybody else in the booze thing and then when you get to the booze thing it is i mean you know Student unions, I was not at uni, but I spent a lot of time at university halls. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, um, it was, um, you know, you, uh, the pound a pint and free shots and happy yeah. hours and all that stuff.
1: I mean, on top of that, I mean, like, certainly I think you're right. You would, uh, and if you gave, I mean, I'd love to tell you now that if you gave me my, my time again, I'd do it differently. But you probably wouldn't because you you feel that calling to want to fit in. But I think certainly that, I'd, I, I mean, again, as a breeding ground for, uh, you know, a training ground for future alcohol problems, you're absolutely right as well. You know, I used to, I can remember there was Monday night's double vodka red balls for a pound, you know, like uh, looking back and I would go to the bar and I would order 10 at a time. Because oh, I, did, cause, yeah. cause I didn't want to queue, you know, and th- and then it's Tuesday, it's a pound a pint and this is it, and that was it. I can remember in my first year, I think I like, we, we worked it out at some point between like the group of boys that we were all with, you know, there's only a handful of days that we didn't, n- not only just like not go out, but not get drunk, you know, um, wow. and that's pretty, you know, it's pretty heavy going, isn't it? But I suppose you don't, you do, you, but at the time, and certainly in my young, I was 18, um, at the time. And I didn't think that, te- that, that drinking to excess was had any effect on my mental health, and I don't think to a certain extent it did until a little bit later. But I didn't I didn't see it as being negative at all. I mean, that's part of the delusion of it all that it makes you feel that you fit in and it makes you feel that you're part of something broader. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was something that I, well, I thought I would make you right.
0: I think I you know love everything you said just there, and it. I recognize it so much because I casting back to my own experiences, not and not an eye, I didn't bat an eyelid. Um and um, you know, even in in the destruction and craziness, I was just like, this is just fun. Um so it was it, but but interestingly specifically said it was I guess I guess that's still going on. I guess there's still quite a lot of people who are completely oblivious. Certainly in the 20s, alcohol is the be all and end all. Um, and um, I wonder what we could do differently. Um, certainly at One Year No what we could be doing differently uh, to help people see the other part, because often, often the messages were there. I mean, you know, I smoked for a while. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it was all well known still that that was the health, there was a health problem with that. I didn't care about that. I did, I mean, care, I definitely didn't care about shortening down my life by five years when I was mm-hmm. 20. I was like, have them, I'd much rather have a pack of fags now, mm-hmm, you know? So in fact, I even think I had conversations like that with people like, Pfft. no, I can remember that's the classic as well though, isn't it? Of every smoker, every
1: smoker says, you know, I've got, I've got to die or something, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. That, it's that <laughs> classic denial. Yeah.
0: Um. um Yes. Okay. Well. So let's get off that. Um, but yeah, university crazy time, um, and then I think you did, a, you did a brief stint in finance. Yeah, I mean very brief. In fairness, So again, my family was sort of based, based in that. My brother works in
1: finance. I was in. You know, I was in like a bank for a little while. I got a little bit of an experience of um, what that was like as corporate life, and I, I quite liked it. Um, but I, I wanted to travel, so it was. It actually ended up being um the means of paying off like a little bit of debts and then getting away really so and then i was i was away for 11 months before i went back to train actually and then trained as a teacher um and again that was 11 months of pretty hard drinking too thinking back on it
0: right so you then went back after that little stint went back to uni another 11 months and then um start what made you want to become a teacher i missed that bit
1: um I don't know. That was when I came. So actually, when I came back after travelling, it was it was just when the, like the stock market crashed for like the first time, like two thousand and eight, I think it was. So that like, the world, when I was away for those eleven months, fell apart, and um, I came back and. Well, when I when I this is a long winded answer to the question that you you gave me, but I'll give you the truth of one was that when like I was um, when I was at school, I was always really good at other subjects, but I loved history. And despite the fact that I found it hard, I always found myself kind of coming back to the books and finding that bit of something really interesting about it. And then when we came back, and the world had collapsed, I suppose I thought, what was my one thing that I really loved, and what was my one love, and it was. Yeah, sticking with history. So I I became a history teacher and I didn't think and I still don't know whether it will be um, the only profession I'll have. I, 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 I'd I like to think maybe that um, there'd be one of many things actually um, that will go as my life goes. But I do think I, history will always have a special place for me. And then I think more as I've got older, I see that teaching is a vehicle to be so much more. And I think, you know, if you were to come back to that, other question you asked of you know how do we sort of influence people's perceptions on things there's no better way to do that than your favorite teachers and the messages
0: they put across i suppose so i fell in love with it in that way too that's awesome i love it um and uh, a very difficult time right now um uh in in teaching but we can get into that in a second so um um so for t- t- it sounds like you've been teaching since 2009 yes yeah, so i think it's my 11th
1: year including my training year so yeah a long time i've always um always taught in sort of challenging inner city schools no different now i've sort of climbed the pole a little bit higher as i've gone up um so yeah in a, in a different place than i was 11 years ago at the beginning it was incredibly tough and i can remember going into bermondsey at the very beginning and i um like it was to begin with I was like a bouncer like I, I opened the door to my classroom the kids kind of went in did exactly what they wanted for an hour and then I shut the door and told them they had to leave you know and then it was um you sort of you learn your skills and you you get better at it and you realize what makes kids tick and it's it's a lot of fun and then hopefully you're in a position where you can teach other people to do that and yeah it's quite rewarding and you give something back all the time so I know I'm, I'm happy with who I
0: am professionally um I love it, I absolutely love it and um with the with the um teaching piece what do you think there was an element where um you shifted from this sort of um alcohol equals fun which is what we learned in university Mm. um and then into teaching with that added stress that actually alcohol equals relaxation Uh, i
1: mean yeah and fun though so i had them both i mean that was the trouble with alcohol is that you see it as the panacea for everything don't you um and i think that you i had the like it's friday night let's get let's hit it because that's you know we've done a hard week of work but i also had the Oh, it's now time to wind down on a Wednesday night with my with my wife or my girlfriend, as she was in my in my like, training years, I suppose. Um, and um, yeah, and, I d- and you deserve a drink in that way. So I think it's it well it, it appeared as the cure all, but actually, you know, n- now having been without it for such a long period of time, I realised what a massive like limiter it was on my abilities. I suppose um, I almost, I mean the fact that it you know it occupied so much of my time i see through complete i don't know how i used to fit it in to be honest with you um and i and, and, and i sit there and you think about that and i think that it's obviously because you prioritized it i must have done to be able to have fitted it in um and i look back on that that's that's one of the like of the things that i regret with drinking that's partly it is that i think there's so much wasted time um but Yeah. And I do think that was it. But the the delusion was there. And I think it was bred from being young. And, you know, the more more you read of the quitlet as well, you see that there is um, that idea that you see your parents sort of wind down with a drink or you see the party go off with a drink. That that's ingrained in you, that that's the passage, isn't
0: it? So it's learned behavior, I imagine. 100%. Social conditioning, peer pressure, marketing—all yeah. of those things plopped together, um, and uh, the delusion. Absolutely. Um, so, tell me about the journey to to thinking about taking a break from booze. Was it just uh, suddenly thought, right now I'm going to stop drinking, or was there a long, painful process like the rest of us? Yeah, no, definitely was the latter. Um, so, I can I can remember
1: thinking like that. There was there few. There were a few things, but it started off with a couple of attempts to try Januarys, I can remember and I, and just failing pretty miserably the first time that you know it's a bit of the you know like I'm not a quitter sort of mentality as in I'm not going to quit drinking and thinking that I was better for it after like abstaining for a few days was what I did a couple of times and then I can remember vividly sitting there with my with my wife and we we're in a restaurant and um like we hadn't drunk for like a weekend and maybe 10 days and all we were doing was talking about the wine the people were drinking around us and ultimately to say like we're not enjoying ourselves are we so we might as well drink and go back to enjoy ourselves and sort of um we had you know I had lots of these times that I was personally i think leaving it i didn't i, I never went, I, I would have never ever gone on like i would have never allowed myself to have gone on a night out and driven i wouldn't have thought it was worth going out if i wasn't drinking um, i would have always made my my mrs driver or whoever else i would have always got a taxi um, another massive part of my life changed post not drinking is how much money I've saved on Uber by the way um, so <laughs> <that's laughs> true, true. Um, just that yeah, um. yeah, exactly it's huge um, and yeah I think that well what happened when I think when one year no beer was in it's really like primitive sense um, I can remember that one of my friends a deputy head had, had got like one of your early PDFs which was like I think pictures of you on like a night out or something like that Um and and um, print it out and like, like maybe read through it. And I think like every, well, everybody that probably has a problem with alcohol, you look, you read it and you think mugs like they've got nothing to do with me. How could I ever be you know like this? And it, and, I, and also that you're fine. But he said to me at the time like you should you should consider it. You know, consider doing ninety days. And I said no. You know, you never. I never need to do that. Um, and. I didn't for a long time, and I looked at the website, and I think I've, I, I might have alluded to it in other kind of posts and things that I've spoken about. But it's um, I, I, I a few times I got there, and I was like, I, I refuse to pay to not drink, <laughs> um, and then I I got up the kind of the final hurdle bit of um, the page to, you know, to put my money in, and a few times I I pressed close and got rid of it, and then it was just one time I was meant to go. It, was, it fell on a, a half-term at school, and I'd um, as we built up towards the half-term, obviously the, uh, the, the idea that I deserved a drink kept creeping up, and it was like a Wednesday, and I went out and I had a few, and then probably by Thursday I went out and got smashed and turned up on a Friday and then probably hit it even harder. Roll on the weekend, and this ended up being some four- or five-day massive bender, and I was meant to be meeting friends on Monday to go for drinks, and i always used to kind of reserve my holidays i mean somewhat ridiculously for how much i drunk anyway but the idea that like when it got to the holidays i could catch up with friends that i didn't get to drink with during like the week because i was meant to be a responsible teacher i um i had arranged to meet up with like, a couple of friends on this monday and um i just literally i couldn't face it and just something clicked in my head and said look you know what sign up for it and again I think like a lot of people, I, t- I only told a few people, but a couple of my friends at the time immediately said to me, you know, like, it's a big sting. Re- do you really need to do it? Is it that drastic a measure you need to take? Can you do it? And I suppose those things sort of burn, built up a, a fire in me. And I've, I can be pretty stubborn, actually. So yeah. um,
0: <laughs> they, lo and behold, they weren't getting you not to do it. They were forcing the decision yeah, sure, more it. solidly.
1: And I think that's it. When someone questions me, it's definitely on that basis. I, it kind of gets strengthened my resolve, you know, to at least want to do it to 90. But then I suppose what's been more interesting is then uh, the idea that a 90, I didn't feel, actually, it was probably more of like 60 days I started to feel like there's more to it than this. Um And so on. Here we are at 500 days-ish and there still feels like there's an awful lot more to it.
0: So... um Brilliant. I, I guess from all of that, your 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 wife has definitely perfected nonchalance, um, yeah. because <laughs> because if if she's if she's emphatic about something, you're just going to dig your heels in and, yeah. uh, and do the opposite. But um, but um, w- one thing I was going to say there is um, so tell us a bit more about um, what started to happen for you and what, what changes led overall um, because some of your your stats and weight loss and things are absolutely phenomenal
1: yeah I mean so I'd say initially one of the things that happens that I suppose is really nice is that you get that sort of mental clarity back and I think won't you as well it I think in my life as well I would have easily gone five or six days without even thinking of like I just didn't happen to have a drink as opposed to I'm not drinking but once you start to clock those days up and you start to think, actually now I'm getting a bit of momentum here. Um, I don't want to break the streak effectively, I suppose. That was one of the first things. So I started to feel like I started to own the days. And that's again, something that I think is quite, um, it's, it's quite a characteristic of the one, you know, be a community, isn't it? The idea that you own where you are and what you're doing on your journey. And I am sort of proud of where that was and wanted to up that number. And then, um and i was prepared as well to sort of bare my soul at the beginning as well which I, very bizarrely you wouldn't i would never do that to like randoms in the pub or whatever but for some reason you you yes. do you i did and i felt very right for doing so in in the facebook group as it turned out and the slack group i think at the time although i used the slack part less um and you know you receive all this overwhelming support from really lovely people and um that, so that was great at the beginning, and at the same time, I think from quite an early stage, you guys, I think it's day three if I remember by looking at other members. Went now when they're kind of feeding in their early stages, they're asked to do a challenge. So I think I, I either decided to, I decided to do. Uh, I think I decided that I was going to like either virtually swim the channel as in like I was going to amount to the amount of miles that it would do I think it was like 28 or something like that and I decided to try and get into running and do a 10k again I think is what I did and so um yeah and, I, and around that time I got on the scales and I was 14 stone 10 um which is the after uni, I had also another massive weight gain where I was around fifteen stone as well. When that was like three years of just eating kebabs and um, just boozing really hard, I suppose. So that was equally sort of the heaviest I'd ever been, and um, yeah, I, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a great sight in the mirror to be honest with you, and. Um, so, yeah, and no, no, nothing too much, but I, I sort of, you know, you stopped drinking and all of a sudden you're, you're putting into, and I was drinking a fair amount, you know, if you, if you look back on it three or four nights a week, I don't think I ever went to the pub and drank less than six or seven pints, um, And then on plenty of those nights, you had all the chases and the drinks and the special occasions of champagnes and shots and whatever else goes in. It amounts to quite a lot. Um, So I think immediately I saw, you know, weight started to drop off me. I gave up in October. And I can remember going in by, we went to the races on Boxing Day. So that's two months. And like my wife put up pictures of us on Instagram. And like people were like, oh my God, what's happened? Um, how is that, How has Andy changed? Um, what's ha You know, this is this is mental. And I started getting those comments, and I I changed school as well. to so kind of myself of my other friends were like, "What's going on?" And this was only really this was not drinking, and I suppose I was going to the gym maybe two or three times a week, nothing too heavy, just a, and maybe going for a swim a couple of times as well in that maybe, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think by the time that the new year came, I'd probably I'd probably dropped about a stone and a half. Um, and then I started to notice that I can remember I ran a 10 K and I'd, I was a couple of minutes slower when I ran this 10 K around the turn of the year that I had been when I was like, like 23, 24 and thought I was kind of fittish. And I sort of said to myself that I would, um, I'd, I'd go, i try and go faster. So I trained a little bit harder and then I thought I'd sign up for a half marathon, which I did. Um, and lo and behold, you know, the I went from 52 minute 10Ks to like a 45 minute 10K. And I, then I started to go up and I was, um, started to go for one of these half marathons. And then I ran the, I ran the big half, which I think was in the March. And I ran that in one fifty-two, which again was a little bit slower than the, I'd only ever run one before. It was a bit slower than I'd run one. So I was like, I've got to go and beat that time. And, and then as I built, and then I started to build up because that, that was around the time I got to 90 days. And then people would like, I had to stop buying a whole new wardrobe, which is probably one of the nicest ways ever to spend money, by the way. Um, <laughs> totally. and yeah, really lovely. And going down from being as well. I was wearing – you know, I was wearing – mainly I'd be wearing large clothes large clothes but I can remember a bit wearing like XLs because they just sort of felt, felt a little bit better sometimes you know particularly on those hungover Sunday mornings or whatever else that happened to be. and th- those things creeping in like looking back it, you're making me think about it now like I can remember I spilled food down myself at one point at school and I had to go and buy a shirt and I treated myself to like a 17 inch shirt and when I look at it now it's like the biggest thing I feel like the guy off the subway advert you know It's it's obscene that you ever used to be in those and then so by the time that March came and I sort I'd run this half marathon, I started. I was getting really quite fit, and and I really started to put a lot of it together. And then I started to notice that I got again around I don't know about 150 days, my fitness kind of hit a different sort of gear, and I started going to like these half marathons, and I was then running like sub 140. Um, which meant that I was standing with these, like, skinny guys at the front, you know. I was no longer one of the people at the back. And then I said I was going to try and run a, a sub-40-minute 10K, which is which is, I did fairly recently. I went mean, two or three months ago, I ran a 39-minute 10K. And then, yeah, and then I ran – and then I've just – well, I've just – I managed to finally get down to a one thirty half marathon, um, which is yeah it's pretty quick. And, and as I, as I talked to you today, I'm weighing in at eleven stone exactly. So um, that's a yeah pretty heavy weight loss um, from where we were. So nearly four stone, three stone, ten. Um, and yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think there's there's it, it, as the journey keeps going. Well, I was I was intending to run the London Marathon in March. I'm sorry oh, no. in, in April, but obviously that's been put back. But actually, I'd had a little bit of an Achilles injury, so I'm, it's bittersweet um, because it means I can probably train for it and try and hit it a little bit harder um, in the in you know the autumn that comes up. But again, this is interesting because this is how the world has just changed in my life. It's that the only reason that I'm possibly upset about that is because I've got two other marathons that are alongside it? I've got Amsterdam also in October and Valencia, that's coming up in december so it's just a lot all in one time but being alcohol free it gives me no fear to think about
0: that it's just yet another speed bump to be overcome i suppose yeah Uh, phenomenal andy and uh, just love that you found this passion now for running and you know the the marathons hats off to you i'll never do a marathon well i say never maybe i'll be persuaded one day but um that looks a good one in edinburgh actually everyone tells me it's quite flat Apparently is Enjoy it when you go. Um, send me a postcard. No, um, I've done a few half marathons and, and bits and bobs like that. But, um, um, uh, you know, similarly to you, really found solace and running. And it's so easy to just get out there and get the fresh air. And it's so totally opposite to that whole drinking thing. It's, I mean, it's almost like a sign of, of the transformation. I, You're like, I this do, is what I do. I think without a doubt, it's been like absolutely fundamental to my
1: sobriety and my just generally feeling good about myself I find it really meditational to go and run I well, the world is put to rights in my head I think if I'm angry it just de-stresses me I think as well on those times to- that was one of the that would be one of the biggest tips I could give to people would be on those Friday nights to those times when you feel that you deserve it you know a drink go and go and do some exercise and you, your perspective completely changes um I'm a different person when I when I've had a when I've exercised I think as well um, and yeah, now now it's become one of those things that well, alongside all of this, like you know, I, I in my year of sobriety, I had a little girl as well, and I was worried about trying to um, how I was going to fit running into that. But again, you just prioritise it. Again, I get up at five in the morning and I go and run for an hour or whatever else it happens to be, or longer as it has been with the, with his marathon training runs. But it's it's absolutely fundamental. I um I don't know if I'll quite catch you up on a Spartan yet. I've been sort of prioritising the running because I keep thinking I might fall off an obstacle and then it will stop me doing the marathons. But maybe next year we'll yeah.
0: see. Yeah, that's what helped me, me off back for ages and then you re- realise it's not really. There's, you know, the, there are a few handful of injuries but nowhere near as much as what people make out. Um, yeah. uh, they're great to do, really. So I'll see you at one soon.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully um, wins is never too far. So we should we do that one. That's, that was my intention
0: was to maybe do that at the end of the summer. Good. Uh, well, it won't be anymore because they've moved them all back in the UK, but that's not us. We're going to get onto that in a minute. You, um, so physically a complete transformation for you. And, um, you know, really from, uh, as you said, fat and overweight and, and, and those are your words um, and, and now, you know, in absolute tip top marathon running condition, although you did just have an injury. So the, in and, and, uh, i 'm interested to hear about the recovery from the injury because there 's a lot of science out there um, that shows that actually alcohol inhibits the recovery of torn muscles and ligaments um all parts through with the processing and alcohol really just being a poison um, and um so did you notice uh, have you noticed any recovery have you had injury before is there anything in there you 've noticed well i mean i
1: In fairness, I wasn't as ever as fit as I have been, but I can only go by my physios, like pretty much near astonishment of how quick my recovery was. So I think Achilles tendonitis is one of those things that limits people and holds them back for a long time. And I pretty much went in there with a terrible case because I did what I think a lot of runners do, which is that I ran on it and ran through the pain of it for about three weeks before I finally submitted to the fact I was injured, and then. when she sort when she started to sort of fiddle around and told me that I was you know really stupid for doing what I'd done, um, but I but I suppose this is another thing that comes with the discipline of being alcohol free is that I also had the discipline to do my exercises every night and you know get on the foam roller when I didn't really want to and do all the things that perhaps with other little niggles and bits in the past that I've, I just wouldn't have bothered to do so. I was from literally. I went from running, you know, sort of ten, eleven miles, half marathon, sort of ready, to running nothing at all for three weeks, to being back running ten or eleven miles within, you know, another two weeks. Once my recovery, you know, I'd done the rehab work, which I think for Achilles tendinitis was a pretty quick turnaround. Really, yeah. And again, it was one of those things. I would have been. I, I, w- I think if I had run this marathon, the London marathon, I would have been a little bit ill prepared. But I was in a really good spot, and um if anything you know it just gave me another goal to focus on and to hit again and
0: uh, and absolutely it it was done and it was achieved so um yeah it was great great well done absolutely brilliant and and what about um uh your mental health so what about your how are you finding things now in terms of your your teaching career um hobbies mental clarity you know what sort of upgrades have you seen there i mean there's two things i suppose that you can have like i interestingly
1: I worked with the same head teacher when I was but like during my sort of drinking days and again we sort of had a a hiatus and then I've reworked with him again and the words that he used to describe me was less flustered and um, and again I'd say that in teaching it's like one of those things it can be quite you know an easy job but when it I suppose it's true of many jobs but when it's on the stress is really on and I think that'd be one of those things that I would say that's being alcohol-free, I'm just not as stressed anymore. I'm able to sort of judge things by their merits and and weigh up where difficult situations and think about where and how I should act with much more purpose um, than I think I did before. I think I was much more emotionally led, where I can use a little bit more of that more rational and logical side. Um, and then I think the other mental health bit was completely linked to... Um, to, you know the the anxiety, and I think the, the the lows that come from heavy binge drinking sessions that you have like massive highs, which like a couple of days later you feel like desperately poor. Um Just to not have those anymore is to have
0: a level, like a constant level is just so nice. And to wake well, up. It's, it's the, the, it's the down. down. It's the down. It's like yeah, you know, in a way you could almost look at it as the heart monitor, the boop. Yeah. part monitor but actually you've just got the, that, that hangover bang yeah. really feeling horrendous afterwards
1: and i can remember that rory i used to do things like um i'd be feeling sort of like edgy you know the beer fear or the anxiety or whatever else it would be and i used to do things like i wouldn't like it would be like a sunday and i wouldn't like let my my wife out of my sight i want her to be with me in case like you know, like something happened. And I mean, obviously nothing happened, but I used to oh, yeah. feel, do you know what I mean? I used to feel like that. And I, I just feel like I've got my independence
0: back, you know. Yeah, that almost, that that, that needing for
1: yeah. for
0: almost seeing struggle or, or, or whatever.
1: And I mean, um, that's imba- it's kind
0: of embarrassing,
1: isn't it? Because you look at that and there's, when you're in the pub with your mates, you're like, you know, Billy Big Bollocks, drink down in the pints. And then... You know, come Sunday morning, and you're desperate for a you know a cold flannel and a cuddle from your wife, and you wouldn't let her leave. You know, it's um, but it was the case, and I suppose that, that, that on the mental side of that, all of that
0: has now gone. Um, yeah. It's um, it, it it I can feel I can feel myself inside like the passion and just like if only more people could understand it. Yeah. So that's like I'm just like if only I could. What I want to do is be able to a bit like the the ghost of Christmas Past or whatever that is, and and just quickly drag people to the 90 day self. Just go yeah. look here, you go. There's look, have a look. What do you think now? I think it's um. I mean, again, it's quite interesting because I've got uh, you
1: know a couple. You know, I think one of those things that that is said and is spoken about. In one, you know, beer is how you will start impacting on people around you, and so I've got a couple of my good friends and big drinking friends that have either done stints, like a long 90, a hundred day stints now on account of the fact of where I have been. And again, That's my, my, my family that have been big drinkers, my, you know, my mum barely drinks at all now. My, wow. my wife drinks very seldom, you know, it's, um, it
0: has a massive knock on effect. That is just so fantastic. I mean, no, I, Goosebumps because you know you are showing up so much in your world, Andy. And you're not, I mean, you know, not—I mean, you know—you're an amazing human for what you do and your choice of career and you know how much you, you've applied yourself to this and and um, just how much you grab life by the balls. But you know, you see the having the impact on other people. Like uh, maybe this is a sign of that whole "I don't love myself" thing. But mm. when I see something that's impacted to other people. That is when i'm really it really lights up my fire, so um,
1: yeah you know it's it's really true, and I can remember there's that whole thing on you know some of the the memes and the chats that happen on that community, but that that concept of being the lighthouse um, is well yeah, and I think that you know you're a lighthouse when you don't even intend to be sometimes, and that's one of the lovely things of
0: being alcohol free i suppose so true, the lighthouse. Um, and you are being that, my man. And so um, tell me a bit more about um, some experiences with the community and One Year No Beer in general and, and um, some, of the, some of the journey that you've experienced. So, uh, and if you can, perhaps give some guys who are thinking about doing this um, some of your top tips. Okay, that's a that's a that's a, an expansive question. There was a lot there. We can we
1: can chop them up into two. If you like, if that's easier. <laughs> I mean, I think it's one one the one you know beer things first of all. I mean, I I did throw myself in I, at the beginning. I wasn't intending to. Like, I just thought I'd post if I needed people, um, and. At the beginning, I didn't like you know you like. It's, I suppose it's like going into any new group. You're just some new dude, aren't you? But immediately, people are like, "Oh, welcome!" You know, your your story sounds broadly similar to many others. Um, I I then think that I got a quite. I got. Um, I can remember. I'm trying to think of at the very beginning. It was. I can remember I went to a gig first of all. I think I went to a concert like day three or day four and I had people on your t- I think it was Jen on your team that immediately like emailed me and was like, email the venue and find out what drinks they do that are AF. Um, decide a time that you're going to leave, decide, you know, find out some other information, go and, th- go and find a place where you can stand and you can really see the band. And if you, and, and like treat it as a, like an experiment, which is, you know, go into it and at least see what it's like. I'd never been. I'd, I'd never been to a gig sober. Who would? Who would go to a gig sober? And I did it, and I and I, not only that, I went with like my brother and like another really big drinking friend, and they sort of stood there and pitted me as I as I actually as it turns out they didn't have any alcohol free beer, um, but as I had a pint of coke, but it was it was really good, and I remembered it was one of my favourite bands, and I remembered seeing the songs and all those sort of things. So that was like a big, and I knew if I could go out and not do it with them, and I'd be able to go on from there, and then. I um, mean, other one, you know, beer things, I think once I got into the fitness ideas, I met a couple of people on the community. I went to a few of the London socials. Um, I then, when there's been, uh, th- th- recently there was the alcohol-free beer that popped up in London, sorry, alcohol-free bar that popped up in in London, which if you, if you haven't been to, you, you must. Um it's uh, and that was good and meeting other people and there's a few then of, of the members of the community that I I I regularly interact with in person and then I've got loads of people that I'm very lucky enough that kind of comment on and I interact with regularly online and I suppose that's the the beauty of um, one you know beer is that you. You have, as, I think, the last time I looked, there's is it sixteen, seventeen thousand people on or just on the Facebook group alone that have got your back, and I don't think there's any other walk of life. I certainly don't have one where I've got seventeen thousand people rooting for me. Um, so I think that makes it pretty special. And then tips was the second
0: question, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, before we rush on to the on to the tips one, it is a very special place. Um, and, you know, with an audience, with a, with a place, that area, of course, there's often problems and issues and stuff. And we have to do a huge amount of work in the background to kind of make sure that it stays being that amazing place that it is. But in general, uh, and, and, and there's, some, there's definitely I've got some theories in here. So um, one of the things that really when you look at alcohol is numbing. And um, if you're an emotional person. Then your and 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 your life isn't in the right order. So environment isn't right for you. Meaning and purpose isn't there. You don't feel enough connection. Um, if these things are, you know, and your and your your general health, if those things are not pointed in the right direction, and you are uh, uh, an emotional person, then you are going to seek um, numbing in other things. And you know alcohol is the most prevalent numbling in our society, but equally so is binge drink binge watching Netflix um, so is porn addiction, gambling, etc, all of these other things it's like trying to numb out um, and 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 what what I've what you realize or I have realized over the years is that when you help these people, that includes you, Andy and um, mm-hmm. our one Year No nobia members when you help these people. Um, give them the tools for them to transform themselves because you have done this all yourself, you are an absolute legend, and um, when you give them the tools to do that, they realize that uh, what is is still that very emotional individual, that very caring o- emotional person who' seeking connection and so what do we have we 've got a community of people who are these more emotional more emotionally attached or, or, or emotionally advanced, whatever you want to call it. i can 't even get the words out right tonight it 's been a long day people. Yeah. And I think that's what you see. And I think because people walk into that that community like you did and they see vulnerability, right? You walk in there and it's like, bosh, people are talking absolute truths and, yeah. and really going into their heart and this and that. And, and then in the supportive comments are, you know, mostly 95%, 99% is the same real vulnerable sharing and Because you walk into that, you're like, "Wow, this is a safe place," and "Wow, I can really open up and talk to people here, and they will do the same to me." And I think that's yeah. what really makes it super special. Sorry, I went off on. No, mind. no, I, th- I think
1: it's really true, and I think certainly there's things that I mean, there's there's things I've shared in that group that I probably haven't shared anywhere else, and yeah. um and that's not to say that I wouldn't. It's just I felt more comfortable than it being discussed in that forum, um, yeah. and yeah I think also you uh, I speak for myself there's when you start to unpick some of where that where, where the drinking was and why the why you drank the way that you did or why I drank the way that i did um it's it's always nice to know that there is other people that did that have done largely similar things to you like you had those experiences and being able to draw on those i think emboldens you. And I think gives you another step up on that journey, doesn't it? I mean, it's um, to, I, I, I again from reading some of that literature as well and the you know the twelve step sort of idea which I don't buy into, but that one of the one of the final steps of being able to give something back is again very much in part of ingrained in that one you know beer community that everybody tried everybody knows what it was like to be on day one. And everybody knows what it was like to be on day two, probably, and et cetera. Et cetera. And everybody has got a range of experience of all sorts of things. And there is the opposite of addiction is connection, which is spoken about at length as well. And um, and I, I completely buy into that. So I I can I can get the idea as well that you feel very raw when you um, when you are not drinking, and a lot of those emotions are brought up. And to have somewhere that you feel safe and secure to bring those up and to and to and to feel. That you're getting heard and being uh, and getting some like reciprocity from your fears or worries is is pretty um, epic, I suppose.
0: I think so. I I lie awake at night um, thinking about my responsibility um, of of enabling, and what I mean by that is that there is a special source here which is that when people have gone through this process and they've made this realization, they want to give back to others. Mm. And at the moment we use platforms called Facebook and Slack for them to be able to deliver that. But to me, that's not good enough. Um, To me, I can see there's so much more going on here. So for instance, the reason why I'm able to drink in total control is because um, I feel a way responsible for a lot of people who don't drink and mm-hmm. that keeps me accountable. But if I have that and people want to drink in total control, how can I give them that? Um, and yeah. so this is why we're, this is why we've been raising funds and why we want to invest in our technology. Um, Corona may have put a bit of a pause on things for now, um, but um, why we want to invest in the talk chain, and why it's key for the technology is that by getting this journey right for people, so that when somebody goes through this process, they can get support from the community, they can give support, and also that they can be empowered. Um, then the, the, then I think we will have clicked onto something magic, which will truly change the world. Um, and I think we're just trying to piece all that together. Sorry, I sidetracked again. This is about you, not-, not but, um, No, it's um,
1: interesting though. I mean, that's that's brilliant, I suppose, for where Everybody that's invested in one, you know, beer, which I think we all would be by being members of it, wants to see it go right, and do exactly. bigger and better things. You know, it's already a, a, a bigger monster than the one that I joined
0: five hundred odd days ago, and a, and a better one, I believe. It's getting there, definitely. It's getting there. We've got quite the team and um, a huge amount of work to 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 crunch through. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's exciting. It's really about you know constantly trying to make it better. That's what we are, what we're trying to do, um, much better. Um, um, and it's already awesome, which is great. Um, so uh, Andy, then we were going to talk about um, your tips. So what would be your advice um, to somebody thinking about? Let's go through a few of them. What would be your advice to somebody um, who is still very much in the in the delusion um how would you what would you say to them to get them to do this challenge
1: um i think the, the a good piece of advice that i would give most people would be that to try to to attempt to do things so that like once once you've convinced them to sign up which again i think i would only do by saying you know Look, here, here i was 500 days ago to so here i am now but in terms of once once you actually signed up, one of the piece of advice that I sort of had in my head and was given was um, at least give yourself the opportunity to experience it sober before you make a decision that you can't. So like the gig that I told you about beforehand, I was convinced that, you know, to go and see it sober. And actually, when I turned up and saw it sober, it was really good. And I've since been to loads of gigs since and they've almost all been better for being sober. The same thing with a party, the same thing with Christmas, the same thing with New Year's, or whatever else it happens to be. The um you'll be surprised at how much um better those things are. And they no it and a lot of what you put in your head about how they'll be shit is just not true. Um so give yourself the opportunity to experience them would be
0: at the very beginning, would be one of my first tips. Brilliant um and um what about somebody you know going through going through this journey or further on what other what other advice would you give people for this incredible journey okay i mean th- th- i could go on oh, here for
1: hours but um <laughs> i'll give you i'll give you a few i mean i, th- I certainly would tell you to read some of the quitnet i mean i don't know if i should like pump some books up here that i've read for me and me and the way that i was as a drinker i found that there were certain books that spoke to me because being a binge drinker and I don't know i wasn't i don't think i had a, a massive emotional attachment to alcohol and i never found myself also most of my drinking i never found myself in a desperate situation like i never drunk drove or i never ended up in a police cell or in a really desperate dark place so um that's not to say i didn't do stupid things i did lots of them but um i i don't know i didn't necessarily identify with like a a stereotype of an alcoholic's per se. So there were certain books that I think spoke to me in a way that others didn't. Um, I found Alcohol Explained by William Porter was an exceptional read. He's also written Alcohol Explained Two, which is also very good and well worth a read. His chapter on moderation, by the way, is a, would be in is a, is really excellent on um, in his second book.
0: What does what does
1: he say about moderation? Yeah, I was thinking about raising that with you. I mean, because his, um, his idea is well, he, he's anti moderation, which would go against some of your ideas. But his um, idea would be that that if you if you're willing to moderate, you are still a, a, a venerating booze to a certain extent, and that you only moderate something that you still have an attachment to, and there's nothing and there's no reason that you should have an attachment to alcohol, so that's where he goes down that road and it was interesting particularly when I got to the end of my year because I wasn't sure whether I wanted to moderate and I'm still not 100% but that made me at least think I'm not ready to do it yet um and I want to see how, how far it, how far it goes before I'm going to make that decision but his was kind of interesting he um he gave quite a good analogy of the idea of um you know going on a walk with uh this was more about the delusion of drinking but um you got you know you, you've got a group of people and they're all wearing like crap hiking boots that have been sold to them by some man and they keep doing the walk and their feet are getting really sore and it's becoming really difficult and instead of like looking at not they're blaming the things around them they're just told that it's, that these boots are the only thing that will get them around actually i'm trying not try i'm doing a disservice to the book here um but the idea is that you know the book the boots were effectively i know the alcohol that are not great for you, and you you kid yourself into following this thing I, I mean, you should read the book I obviously can't do it very well but his, his was excellent William Porter's I found uh, Catherine Gray's Unexpected Joy of Being Sober really good um, Kick the Drink Easily I thought was excellent Alcohol Explained was excellent good I'm just at the moment reading Professor Nutt's book on what yes. uh, what is it I think um drink, the, the New Science of Health, I think it's called.
0: Yeah, is it good?
1: It's excellent. There's a, again, I, I suppose I've always gone with the, the books that are... Um a little bit more scientific in their basis because that's what just appealed to me it really interesting I posted on fa- on the Facebook group it's of, since the 1970s just reading his book since the 1970s every cause of death pretty much in the world has gone down leading up to 2020 and the only one that's still exponentially on the rise is deaths related to alcohol and that's unfathomable um, in the world that we live in, and the, and the way that we live in that shows like how like we are absolutely still in alcohol's grasp as a, ne- as, a as a globe, um, and refused to, to to see it otherwise. Um, yeah, his his book is really good. Um, so I would say Quitlet at the beginning
0: is is without a doubt. It's just it's just great to really fill your brain with that stuff, and, isn't it? I didn't, I didn't you might know. not agree with it all. No, might, I don't. Some, as of as it, as as some of it goes a bit off and you're like, well, oh, yeah. I don't like I mean, that.
1: I can't remember if it's Jason Vann or Craig Beck, the one that said that, like, you shouldn't count your days. Obviously, I, I do, and I find it quite important to do so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you take, you take little bits. Uh, I think Annie Grace's book as well, I didn't mention her. Her book is excellent, too. Um but yeah, you do. You you take little little nuggets of them, and you know you can you can build on them. I think she mentions Alan Carr's picture plan, which was a really um, another really great piece there in in her book that's really relatable. So I think all those things that start to build up a picture, and then you start at least having a different perspective of alcohol. Where mine was just this is the relaxer, this is the the fun giver, and then you start questioning whether they it's actually true. And you start to notice things about people and particularly when you're sober, you start to notice that maybe all the things that you used to think that drinking amounted to isn't perhaps not so fun. Um, You know, I can remember talking, but I can remember she said in her book, I think it was only great to notice that when when people get past two or three drinks, they tend to start repeating themselves. And when you're one of those people, you think you're putting the world to rights and like you're, you're a sage of your time. But, um, but you listen to your friends when they've had three or four drinks and you're sober and they're just saying the same thing to you over and over again. So that, that was interesting to like be an enlightening part for me. Um, so definitely get involved with equipment. Um, I think I found bearing my soul to the one you know beer community to be really helpful um i think that yeah do some exercise as well without a doubt it's been one of my absolute like um i know key stones of of the development so
0: that would be what i would say particularly at the beginning to help people out brilliant andy um this is uh, this has been one of my favorite podcasts to do just love chatting with you and um you know it's it's so easy and i think you're a world of information you've just had an incredible journey and it's so awesome to have you on um thank you so much for coming on and and, and sharing your story um is there anything you would like to add before we finish up no you put me on the spot here (laughs) (laughs) i um no
1: i suppose it's um other than i would say to anybody that happens to be listening that it's worth giving it a shot. That particularly if you've signed up to, to the programme, I think that it only gets better um, once, you, once you've once you joined up. I think what, what you put into it, you'll get back. I think the idea of of, of seeing a, a world through sober eyes is, is a really good one. And we live in times, particularly, you know, given where we're talking today and schools being shut down and all sorts going on in the world, um, you'll have a, a sense of inner calm and peace that perhaps um you didn't realize were were part of you and for that for no other reason than that it's well worth your investment in making the most of being alcohol free i suppose we we
0: we didn't even get on to that stuff we didn't even we didn't even talk about you going to speak on behalf of one year no beer in a pub i know <laughs> so, i mean you i can't open that up without telling you got to tell everyone now so so um <laughs> so um, I called you up out of the blue and said, hey, me, um, there's this gig I've been asked to go to um, and I can't go. Can you do it for me? Yeah. And it's tonight. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. No, I mean, it was again, that was that was a strange thing. So I turned up to this place in I don't know somewhere in Clerkenwell, I think it was. And um, yeah, it was sort of treated like a mini celebrity to begin with because um, i think they thought that i was you um yes. th- and so that was kind of good and they sort of gave me a little bit of red ish treatment and they kept feeding me kombucha which is nice <laughs> um and then we went to kind of a few little bars, and bizarrely is not enough I met um another good tip by the way they get invested in the alcohol free beer there's loads of it, and loads of it is great there's, um to, I'd plug dry drinker as well um they're terrific, and they do loads of different things. I found at the beginning of my alcohol-free adventure like I just used to buy loads of different alcohol-free beers because I found that was one of the things that like Friday night arrived and it was like oh I'll try this new IPA don't like it I'll try another one and you can then drink like six or seven uh, and you're never drunk and you can do whatever else you want to do and you can go to the gym the next day and feel terrific so that's another one of my my tips sorry but um on that night I met the the guy that was the founder of, of Lucky Saint. Which I think as well is the best um, alcohol-free lager.
0: You need to introduce me to him because I think it's brilliant. I mean, um, yeah. I've been we've been we've been drinking all the Lucky Saint at um, uh, at the place just opposite the office. But one knows the, the alcohol-free
1: world moves in like. Obviously, it's not massive. So when I've gone and like when I've gone and since been on like I don't know when I went to the the thing that the. the um, I can't remember what it's called, at the start of January, they do it in Spitalfields. It's run by Club Soda. they like, Yes, the, yeah, the um, Mindful the, Drinking Yeah, Festival. the Mindful Drinking Festival. So, yeah, they had one of those, and they had a similar one that Brewdog ran. But, obviously, I kept running into this guy from Lucky Sane. I felt like, in the end, I was, like, stalking him um, on like because I'd met him, because of this thing you set me up with. But, anyway, I went and I did this thing, and then, you did you send the film crew to go to this... This I did. Yeah, so I didn't know that I was about
0: to be filmed.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then, and then just, I literally just threw you into it. I was just like, Andy. <laughs> yeah, and then
1: they sort of they threw a microphone on me and said, like, and started to speak to these people who I wasn't really sure because you'd sort of told me that they had, they, were, they had signed up to a magazine, but I wasn't sure if I was, like, trying to get them on board with one, you know, beer, and you just kind of said, just have a chat with them.
0: You know, it will be okay, which in fairness, it was. Um, the, my team are just going to, their sides are going to be splitting when they when they hear this because, you know, the one thing I'm horrific at is briefs, right? So I get an idea. It's like, oh, oh, let's land on the moon. And I go, right, um, Lucinda, can you, let's land on the moon. We'll do it on Tuesday. Got that, right? And she's like, uh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mate. <laughs> no, it's fine. It was good. It was nice, and um, there you go. I got to meet some faces of the alcohol-free beer world. So,
0: what do you know? And so, you just did a bit about your story, and um, did you get a massive standing ovation? I did get
1: uh, actually quite a good thing. I think that is one of those things. That,
0: again, there be those
1: things that I just if the Andy of like a 500 and whatever days ago it was that i met me today i w- they wouldn't believe it was the, like i wouldn't have believed that it was me yeah i never would have believed that i would have stood up and like sung the praises of alcohol free living to a, to a a room of strangers um, and <laughs> things you do for
0: one year no. More. yeah exactly mate you just don't expect it do you um very <laughs> lovely Love it Awesome Well Andy It's been an absolute pleasure um, To have you on Thank you so much Um, We'll get this out shortly Um, Yeah Thank you very much For being a part of One Year No Beer And contributing as much as you do You are awesome Thanks so much A pleasure Thanks for listening to The One Year No Beer podcast For a full list of episodes And to join in The challenge yourself Head on over to OneYearNoBeer.com OneYearNoBeer.com